Welcome to the In Common Podcast. This is Hallie Post. This insight episode comes from full episode 51 with Beatriz Dos Santos Diaz. Beatriz is a postdoctoral fellow at the College of Fisheries and Ocean Sciences at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. Beatriz was part of the modeling and stock assessment of Prince William Sound Herring in the Gulf of Alaska and is currently exploring the effects of regime shifts in the Gulf of Alaska marine food webs and how climate change will continue to impact these. Beatrice spoke with Michael about what a model is and why they are important, specifically for policy implications, and the importance of a historical perspective and ecological research. This is the In Common Podcast. For someone, mm-hmm. right, so someone who's listening and thinks, well, this word model, I'm not quite sure what it means. It sounds nice. It's these, these other people do it. What is a model and why do you like them? So, and if I told you like that he had a lot of training on the simulator, a flight mm-hmm. simulator. So pretty much like the model would be like this flight, the analogy of like this flight simulator that we are like trying to see what is like, where are the underlying processes that are happening in the ecosystem? Mm-hmm. And we're trying to understand that so we can like set management goals and targets. Now, uh, for like sea turtles, what is like why that was important to know their survival? Because with that, you can also estimate how many of them are there, right? And how, and you also can estimate the trends on the population. Is the population increasing? Is decreasing? Is just stable? Mm-hmm. You can you can know those things. And without models, you would be like relying on observation that you were like kind of like, I think there are more, but I'm not really sure. Okay. So um, so we're talking about a simulation model, it sounds like. In my mind, that's distinct from like a statistical model, which I'm more familiar yeah. with. Yes. So I, so the one for my PhD that I was like mentioning, it's like more of like this simulation part of model. Okay that we are like trying to like recreate the ecosystem and then make like different like flavors of like scenarios so you can know which scenario is like the best one so you can like think about your management strategies based on that scenario got it so this is so we'll need to cover this ground too now so you then went to umass university of massachusetts amherst yes that's in western massachusetts I should know yes. this, I guess. It's, it's not very far from where I am, really. I'm in um, New England. Yeah. Um, it's been hot here this summer. Um, okay. And then you, you, you got your PhD there in 2019. Is that correct? Yes. A PhD in environmental conservation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then you, you had sent me before this talk uh, a PLOS One paper looking at some modeling that you had done in the New England area, but also back in Brazil. Yeah, so actually that's two different things. Okay. So I, my, my PhD was like really interesting from like my path. So I came to US after, like after going to Mexico, I worked for a while and then mm-hmm. I was establishing a project in Brazil to work with like local fishermen and mm-hmm. to assess a species of conservation concern. So mm-hmm. I built all this project. I came to US with like a scholarship and because of visa restrictions, I couldn't travel to Brazil every year to do field work. 
Oh, and I learned that after a year <laughs> into the PhD. So I had to change gears and okay. reinvent myself like Madonna. So I just like, I had like, um, one of my colleagues were, was working on uh, historical ecology. And mm-hmm. we had like some historians in our lab. And then that really sparkled some gears on my on my brain when he started like to work on this like historical data and he was like assessing the produ- produ- production, like mm-hmm. how many fish is produced in like a lake and a pond system. And like looking at that on the perspective of like removing dams or like before, like because you know that in New England that is like dams everywhere yep. because they were like for meal for electricity for energy and a lot of those dams are really in bad shape mm-hmm. which is like is better like to remove them than like to pay the millions of dollars to try to make them safe mm-hmm. and there is like a lot of pushback because people want their lakes their ponds the way they are and it's better for ecologically, it's better if you have like a connected environment. So this colleague was like estimating like what is the historical like biomass, like the weight or how much fish was there before the dams. And with that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. It would be like interesting to look at that from like more um, food web point and do like a big ecosystem model and see like what would happen in the environment if we had like this full connectivity using this historical data so that's what i did in one project and because i was too like feeling in my heart brazil i had like this little data from like one field work that i was there just like to do my study design mm-hmm. and it's like one of like my passions of my place is like this big island that's really wild this the time that I was there for my first year for my PhD was the first scientific expedition on the coast ever, on that coast. So oh, wow. I walked with, uh, was it me? Uh, they, it's like in a marine protect area, like the chief, chief of like the protect area, two other, uh, one fisherman, one uh, person that was like maintaining our boat and two friends that were like helping me on the field work so we walked the entire six we biked pretty much carrying our bikes all the way like down like 63 kilometers down the coast and like cataloging everything that we saw so with that i did like the other part of the project that was like on species of conservation concerning brazil which is pretty much like what my dissertation came to that's like developing models to help management and decision making got it okay so let's talk about the new england piece mm-hmm. um and what you were also talking about so the plus one paper which we'll post to the show notes was it looks like that was the publication based on a large chunk of your dissertation work yes okay okay Okay, so I mean the connectivity aspect makes sense because I mean you're talking about anadromous fish, so they need to mm-hmm. they need to go up and spawn. So obviously, if they can't do that, that type of like disruption of connectivity makes sense. Um, 
Can we get back to the to the modeling then? The discussion mm -hmm. of, of the role of modeling. So the way you described it, it sounds like the, the models you're making are designed to have management implications. It's kind of when I hear scenarios, mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, please forgive me and feel free to hold my hand through this as much as you want. Um, <laughs> when I hear scenario modeling, I think about okay, a scenario of like let's take out these dams or these dams or all the dams and kind of see what happens. Um, so I guess uh, a couple questions that, that occur to me now, you mentioned um, the role of historical ecology and I saw it in the PLOS One paper as well as being an important part of these simulations you were running. Yeah. So I talk to ecologists sometimes and um, I've had this impression that there's a di one difference between ecology as it's currently practiced and social science is that a fair amount of social science is reasonably historical. Some social science definitely isn't. So like some social science really struggles to understand the importance of history. And I think that's a problem that we have actually. But I, you know, I had had the impression that most ecologists that I bumped into, I didn't, I had never heard the term historical ecology. Uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot, you know, I, I know a lot of experimentalists, you know, like, let's, let's do this to this side and like, let's wipe out these termites and not those termites and see what happens, et cetera. And so I had had the impression that there was, you know, a, uh, maybe a similar disregard of history and a lot of ecology. Am I wrong? Or, or what has been your experience with the role that history plays in kind of conservation, biology, ecology, et cetera? And then how, and how did it work to incorporate it in your own project? Yeah, I don't want uh, <laughs> to crucify anybody, but that is like a really like people dismiss a lot of of like historical data, and just because it's not collected to the standards of nowadays doesn't mean that's not useful. And mm -hmm. I believe that we do need to have a history. We do need to know what was before so we can set our targets to the future. Right. You can't like live just like present and future or like hopes of the future. You need to understand what happened in the past and how to not like make the same mistakes. Because one of the fascinating things when I started like to dive into the, the historical ecology was that on like the commissioner, fisheries commissioner report, that's 1800s, 1900s. Wow. Like early, they are pointing out the same things that we are still pointing out on current stock, stock assessments. Right. And that for me was mind blowing because I was like, oh, wait, they already seen like um, reductions of fisheries and trying like doing recommendations of like, reducing the catch levels in 1800s so right you know so if we like don't like bring the past we cannot like have like a base mm -hmm. the same thing of like the pair like the shifting baselines where you like you know you rely on your memory so you have like to bring this memory right. otherwise you just like forget and you like are conditioned to whatever conditions are right now. This is the normal. Yep. This is what's gonna happen. And this is our baseline. And it cannot be like that. It's right. not sustainable. 
that's from Daniel Polly's work is see the yeah. fellow who introduced that idea. Yeah. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a creepy idea, right? The fact that each of us, we're just kind of a very slow boiling frog. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you mentioned uh, another term that I find really interesting. So these stock assessments. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware that in the, the New England ground fishery, you know, there, there's a lot of historical tension between fishers and scientific agencies, et cetera. Mm -hmm. A lot of those have focused around stock assessments. I don't know how much your work engaged with that. Um, but I know there was a criticism of these stock assessments as being, well, there's been an historical criticism of these kind of maximum sustainable yield oriented fishery mm -hmm. models for being overly simplistic for, for not incorporating things like bycatch necessarily yeah. and thinking only about one species at a time. How does your work engage with that discourse about kind of criticisms of overly simplistic models that are supposed to have management implications? So models are like really useful, like mm -hmm. all of them, but there is like being like this shift towards ecosystem-based approaches, which is just like leaving a little bit of like the single species approach that you're saying that they just like look at the survival mortality of one species mm -hmm. and now we are like actually looking at the survival mortality of this on one species within the ecosystem and all the traffic relationships that are in the ecosystem what species the this one population supports mm -hmm. and how is like interconnected and i think this is the the approach at least like that's like where I tend to do like with my models, okay. just like incorporate more. So I like all the models that I did for the New England, they're uh, food web based. Okay. So it's pretty much like you have like a capture of the entire food web and all the connections within the ocean, including fisheries. And then you can like set different scenarios and you can test what this fishery reduction or like this increase or even like climate change, other like physical conditions can have uh, like can affect the environment. Okay. So would you do, you do you view your models as being an important step away from these kind of historically more simplistic single species based models or? or, or? I don't think it's a step away. I think okay. it's like it has to be combined because a lot of the data that I got is from like like single species stock assessments. Got it. Which is what is available. So okay. I think that it has to be like a more holistic. It's not that you are like either or, it's just like combining what is like the best tools that are available. And one of the things that is really important to know is that we do, we make models not for, because we think this is the best, but what is like demanding, what the management, what is mm -hmm. like gonna help like the decision-making and if every single condition is different, every location's condition is different and the needs are different. So you have like to address those needs. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as you were talking about this in terms of collecting the data, collecting all that data or, or in the first place sounds pretty daunting. It sounds like that's gotta be one of the main bottlenecks to doing this is just how much data you need to get. Thankfully, a lot of people collected the data. Okay. <laughs> so I just like pretty much pulled together years and years of data. Okay. And so Bia, when we're talking about a food web model, is that, so um, 
That makes me think of like a network analysis. It is, exactly. Okay. And so are these nodes of species that are eating each other? No, so it is, it's, no, it's perfect. It's just like thinking about networks and like network system. Okay. So you have like the species or the nodes mm -hmm. and the connection between them is like the predation or yeah, it's like the energy tra transfer is like this mm -hmm. predation. So you got these different trophic levels in the food web? Yes. Okay. Okay. What software do you use for that? So for that, I use uh, Ecopath with Ecosim framework. Okay. That was developed by people in UBC, like Holly, uh, Christensen, and Water, Walters. So there's a very, it's a highly specialized software just for this kind of model. So it is the, the software, but they do have like the implementations on R and MATLAB. And I use all. Okay. <laughs> I was like, every single one, <laughs> let's test this. Okay. So yeah, it's pretty much like a framework. And then they have like the software for the framework and the framework is in R in MATLAB. Thanks for tuning in. The In Common Podcast is a partner project of the International Association for the Study of the Commons and the International Journal of the Commons. To explore more episodes of the podcast, as well as our blog, visit our website at www.incommonpodcast.org. Here you will also find a list of the members of our recently expanded team, as well as a link to our Patreon page, where you can make a small donation to help us cover our operating costs. You can also follow us on Twitter at InCommonPod. Thanks again.